What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. It's the Week 15 recap. The Packers, they went into Baltimore and took down the Ravens in a hard-fought battle, winning the game 31-30. to Way too close for comfort, but the offense was clicking on all cylinders. And despite the defense's struggles and the special team struggles, the Packers were able to come away with the victory over a very good Baltimore team. They're now 11-3, NFC North champions, and one game above everyone in the NFC. Don't go anywhere. You're not going to want to miss it. This is the Weekly Cheese. Super Bowl! 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 What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan. Here with me, as always, in studios, Chris. Chris, what's up? Super Bowl. Super Bowl. What's up, Joe? Just being optimistic about the future on this Victory Monday. Hey, a lot to feel good about. Definitely a bright future ahead for the Packers, but still tons of work to be done and things to clean up. I mean... Yeah, the Packers won yesterday, but I don't think anyone out there was satisfied with how that victory went. I mean, after going up 14 points with nine minutes left to play, I mean, the Ravens made a comeback. and They made it an uncomfortable ending. Very uncomfortable ending, but fortunately the Packers, they were able to weather the comeback and, and eke out of there with a 31-30 to victory in a game that was really ultimately too close for comfort, especially when you think about the fact that Lamar Jackson wasn't the quarterback, it was Tyler Huntley, and the fact that it came down to a failed two-point conversion at the end, uh, I mean, just way too close for comfort. Yet again for Coach Harbaugh, that's a tough look for him. I mean, that seems to be the guy's M.O. after the game. He was talking about the analytics and probability of winning in overtime. Well, whatever, yeah. I would have kicked the field goal and hoped the offense, uh, the defense could have stopped Aaron Rodgers and the Packers' offense for, at the 40 seconds left, two touchdowns. I like to think Aaron could have gotten us into field goal range or something like that. But either way, they, the, the defense came up with the stops they needed, and they won the game. And with the win, the Packers now move their record to 11-3. and They've clinched the NFC North for the third straight year. And they've clinched a playoff spot. Uh, and to make things even sweeter, the Cardinals lost to the Lions on Sunday. And the Buccaneers got shut out by the Saints last night. Um, so right now, the Packers, they have a full game lead in the conference. And they are eyeing up home field advantage. Uh, and that ever so important first round bye. So yes, Chris, things are looking bright yes. for the Packers in the future. Yes, Joe, they are. But it really was not a perfect game by any means, particularly on the defensive side of the ball and, of course, the special teams running issue. But the defense came up with the stops when they needed to, and the Packers, they won the game. We'll get into the defense in a little bit and uh, all the gripes I have there, but let's just start with the positives. And obviously the biggest positive from the game was the Packers' offense as a whole. 
The offense scored 30 or more points for the fourth straight game and was unstoppable basically the entire contest. Aaron Rodgers, what can be said about the man? Phenomenal once again. 23 for 31, 268 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, a 132 passer rating. I mean, the guy is just unreal. He is the GOAT. Uh, He tied Brett Favre for the most touchdown passes in Packers history. Number 442 was thrown last night to Marquez Valdez-Scanling. And over the last four games, Aaron Rodgers has thrown 13 touchdowns, not one interception, and he is officially now the MVP frontrunner. He only threw eight incompletions on Sunday, and he was really getting the ball around the yard entirely. Eight different receivers caught a pass on Sunday and that was much needed from the Packers offense considering Devontae Adams was literally double teamed the entire game he got the Calvin Johnson treatment if you will two guys lined up right in front of him before the snap even occurs and I mean they can even, you blame them no but it was just bizarre to watch because even when he motioned like not every time but sometimes when they were doubling him like that he would motion and you would see the two guys just run with him it was so funny yeah i mean he's just been on a, a complete tear and the fact that he put on the performance while that was going on i mean okay say what you want about their uh, dbs last night but they were still doubling him yeah, they, they still had a job to, to do exactly yes and, and i mean it makes sense why they're double teaming him devonte he's had three straight 100 yard games coming into the game against the ravens and it was just obvious that they did not want devonte adams to beat them anyone else they said probably before as they were preparing for the packers anyone else can beat us, not Devontae, and that's why he got the Calvin Johnson treatment. And he finished with six receptions, 44 yards, and a touchdown. That touchdown making him the sole owner of number two in the record books for all-time Packers touchdown receptions past Jordy Nelson. But despite the double teams, I mean, Devontae Adams still had a productive day, scored a touchdown, and he's just unreal. Can we just take a second here to give Devontae Adams his due respect? Yes, Joe, I can back that up with a a good stat for you, Joe. What stat would that be? Since week five of 2018, Devontae has not dropped a pass 20-plus yards down the field. That makes him... uh, That puts him at 90 consecutive deep targets without a drop. That doesn't even (laughs) seem possible, to be honest. Because you're thinking, even like you're getting targeted 20, da- 20 yards down the field, most of the time you have a guy draped oh, all yeah, over you. Oh, yeah, they're heavily contested and most if, of the time. If you just think about all the, the recent deep balls to Devontae, I mean, on the sideline, catching ball in traffic, over, like back shoulder, it's just the guy's unreal. He doesn't drop passes, and even with two guys on him, he was able to literally break both of their angle, ankles with an out route in the end zone and just easily score there. I mean, He's unstoppable, and fortunately for the Packers, I mean, they got contributions from the entire receiving core yesterday. It wasn't just Devontae Adams like they've been accused of being over the last couple weeks. I mean, Devontae has been just on a straight tear, but it was good to see other guys get involved, and it's important because obviously teams are going to do this and try to stop Devontae Adams with every fiber of their being, and when they do that, Someone needs to step up, and on Sunday, that man was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. MVS probably had his best game of the season. Uh, He's been 
battling injuries all year long, hamstring, back tightness, what have you, whatever it is. He's he's been dealing with ailments. But he had a great game. Five receptions, 98 yards, and a touchdown. He made a great catch on the underthrown ball to really get the offense going and put them in scoring position on that first touchdown drive, 31-yarder. Uh, then, obviously, he had that touchdown, a great 11-yard touchdown where he fought for every last inch, made a great hands catch, which is something we've been asking for from MVS, who over the early parts of his career was primarily a body catcher. Yeah, he was a serial chest catcher. Yeah, and it, seeing him just snag that ball with his hands and fight and dive for the end zone, and just, it, he was it was full awesome. extension. Yeah, It was awesome, and that's exactly the type of game we needed from him, and hopefully it gets him going with his confidence and, and just gets him back on track and playing at a high level for this stretch run because obviously all our receivers are going to need to make a play down the stretch here. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't just the MVS and Devontae show. Like I said, a bunch of guys got involved. Uh, Mercedes Lewis, three catches, 40 yards. They need to get this man into the end zone. I feel so bad. He fights and fights and fights and gets dragged out or dragged down at, like, the one or the two or the five, and I'm like, oh, they got to get him in the end zone, bro. You're totally right, and he's been so close multiple times over the past couple weeks. I mean, what he's doing is just so impressive because it's not like he's just making the catches. He's wide open on almost every time, every ball he catches, but he's breaking tackles and gaining yak. I mean, 34 of his 40 yards came after first contact, and he was just a beast, and he was rumbling and tumbling down the field every time he had it in his hands. And for a 37-year-old, 17-year veteran tight end, the guy's unreal. And not to mention all the work he does in the blocking game. I mean, he's the best blocking tight end, perhaps, of all time, Mercedes Lewis. He's he's phenomenal. I mean, 17 years at that level. What can be said about him? Lazard, 2 for 23. Uh, kind of an odd game for Alan Lazard. He, he had, had the, that one drop. He, did it. he had a drop. He did get the P.I., but it was a very suspect pass interference call. He had a nice, tough catch on his first grab of the game to gain a first down. But he also had that miscommunication with Aaron, or maybe Aaron missed him in the back of the end zone. If you ask me, he could have caught that ball. I think Devontae would have came down with that one. Uh, but Aaron took the blame. He did say that he overthrew him a bit, and I'm sure that's one they'd both like to have back. But uh, coming off of his best game of the season last week, Lazard got involved once again in the pass game, and he finished with an insane uh, run-blocking grade on PFF like he does every yeah, single week. Yeah, that's expected at this the point. Guy, the guy does so much for the Packers that most people don't even notice. It makes the drop forgivable, but it was just, ooh, if he would have grabbed that. <sighs> yeah, I mean, luckily they got a gimme with the P.I. on that one, so there was no harm, no foul, but he had a clear drop there. Yeah. DeGuara, 3 for 16. A.J. Dillon, 1 for 13, and then Aaron Jones, two catches, 12 yards, and a touchdown. It was just a complete game from the Packers' passing attack, uh, even though Aaron did have some missed throws that I'm sure he wants back, most notably that first long ball to Devontae on the first drive of the game oh, on third down. Devontae was wide open, and he was off to the races if he caught that ball, and then obviously – the touchdown ball to Lazard. Aaron overthrew him a little bit on that one. But it was an amazing day 
from the Packers passing attack, which was to be expected taking on the Ravens in their horrible secondary. Yeah. I mean, the most damaged secondary in the league. It got so bad that they had to throw out that number 17 guy out there uh, last night for his first action ever. Oh, it was, someone else wasn't got that on a, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was on a touchdown. Well, it was the, when Devontae shook both yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, he got totally destroyed by Devontae Adams, and so did the safety that Welcome was helping to the, the NFL, top. guy. But, yeah, so uh, imagine being that guy on no. your first ever NFL action, your man-guarding Devontae Adams. Everything, he's like, he thinks everything the should be easier zone. from this point on. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's like, well, I got the hardest part out of the way. He gets signed for a huge contract because he has tape uh, guarding Devontae Adams. <laughs> yeah, face guarding. Well, th- that was a pretty tough grab by Devontae, too. It, w- it was kind of a oddly thrown ball. Was, he made it look he easy. He made it look easy, but it was a tough grab. Did you see um, – I forget which drive or play it was, but Devontae, when Devontae jumped off sides, Aaron looked right over, he yeah. snapped his head, he wanted yeah. to yell right at him, but he didn't. Well, he, he can't. Oh, yeah. of course he not, but if it was yell, anybody yeah. else, he was going to snap, because he was already yelling at uh, one of the guys, he was a little bit frustrated. And well, then, he was angry with Winfrey there. Yeah, exactly, for, Winfrey. He ran the short route. I like, I'm a big Juwan Winfrey fan, I root for that guy to do well. He, he had a good game a couple weeks ago when he had to play, but... This one was a little. If rough that was Jawan Winfrey, oh, ooh, yeah, yeah, you could tell that once he noticed it was it was, Devontae, it was funny. He was like, oh, damn. it was just so funny. I, I couldn't believe it was Devontae because they were calling some really lackadaisical false start penalties on both. Yeah, the teams. offensive lineman was just getting set. Dennis I didn't think Kelly didn't. I didn't even see him move. And then yeah. the, they called one on the Ravens as well. And that Cleveland. That's who guy. I was talking about. He, yeah, I was giving him a little bit of sympathy because he was just honestly getting. He was like pivoting his foot in and then lifted up his hand. A, like yeah, they an inch. they called they called that twice. So I thought they got another offensive lineman just swaying in the wind, but. No, Devontae gave That's a That's probably jolt his first offside. And that I could remember. Yeah. I don't remember the last time Devontae had a false start, but uh, it was just fun to happened, see Aaron the, react uh, like the, that. The, the pass game was unreal. But in my opinion, what's more impressive about the Packers' offensive attack on Sunday was the fact that they were able to move the ball on the ground against the number one rushing defense in the league. No team has given up less rushing yards than the Baltimore Ravens. That's definitely the strongest aspect of their defense. And the Packers were four yards short of a 100-yard day on the ground. I mean, very impressive and something I was thrilled to see. Aaron Jones, 13 rushes, 58 yards, four and a half yards per rush. And he this was really his best game since getting hurt against the Seahawks. He had two touchdowns against the Bears last week, but only eight total touches. So he was still productive but quiet. Whereas here he was he was rushing at f- almost five yards per clip and it was just great to see his touchdown catch. It was the sixth touchdown reception of the year for Aaron Jones and that is the most by a Packers running back since Johnny Blood McNally back in 1931. Uh, just that's such a cool stat when I saw that I love seeing Blood McNally's name get thrown in in any stat because. That guy's an absolute legend. Um, a couple of years ago, Mike and I were going through our collection of Packer jerseys, and there was a couple that we owned that they didn't age too well. Let's just put it that way. So instead of just not displaying them, we went back and we got them new nameplates 
And one of the nameplates we got was Blood McNally. So wow, I'm surprised you already didn't have a Blood <laughs> McNally jersey. It's hard to find a Blood McNally jersey in 2021. I'm pretty sure it's probably hard to find one back in 1931. I, Blood McNally, I think, wore like four or five different numbers because back then it was like really not anything like that. Where they had yeah, you would show number. up and they would just yeah. chuck him a jersey. Yeah, like he probably wore a different number every week. Yeah. <laughs> but, so would but, that not make it easier to find a Blood McNally jersey? Well, you, uh, you found a Runyon jersey, you could find a Blood McNally jersey. You probably can, but we made one ourselves. We also made a Levee Dilweg jersey, <laughs> who who's a legend from the 20s. We, we took the Lacey nameplate off a 27 jersey and put Dilweg on the back. So we, so we just, I like seeing Blood McNally's name get thrown in there. Uh, anyone who's been to the Packers Hall of Fame knows that his legendary set of shoulder pads is sitting there in that display case, the Blood McNally shoulder pads. So shout out to Aaron Jones. I mean, such an awesome guy. Walter Payton, Man of the Year nominee, and just a pleasure to have on the squad. And it's nice to see him starting to amp back up after dealing with that sprained MCL for past couple weeks and just the fact that he hasn't missed any time with the mcl injury bravo to him anthony davis fellow cheesehead anthony davis is out four weeks right now with an mcl sprain so the fact that aaron jones didn't miss one game shows how tough he is so shout out to aaron jones great game for him on sunday and shout out to aj dylan aj dylan really didn't get utilized as much as we're used to seeing him carry the ball over the past several weeks but he was productive, seven carries, 22 yards, one touchdown. And yeah, the Packers have perhaps the best tandem of running backs in the league. But this season, their rushing numbers really aren't that crazy due to the fact that the Packers' offensive line has struggled this season when blocking for the run. But on Sunday, the offensive line deserves a lot of credit for helping the running backs gain those 96 yards rushing because they had a they had a solid game the offensive line during the game Joe Buck referred to the Packers offensive line as a makeshift offensive line that and guy's that hairline really bothered is makeshift me. that Hair really bothered guy. me there's no secret here that Joe Buck says things that bother me basically on a weekly basis but to hear them to hear him say they're makeshift it's a little disrespectful especially because they've been playing so hard this season. And, yeah, they're makeshift in the sense of that they're a bunch of backups, but they're playing like a starting offensive line. They're playing good football. And, yeah, on yeah last night and during the game yesterday, there were mistakes made. Dennis Kelly got beat, and he gave up a sack at the end of the first half, stifled that drive. Packers had the ball back, two timeouts, 45 seconds left. It felt like they were about to go get some points until that sack happened. So, yeah, that was tough. And then Royce Newman also gave up a costly sack on third and five on the final Packers drive of the game, which got the ball back to the Ravens with a lot of time left. And we know what happened once that occurred. But the line of Yash Nyman, John Runyon, Lucas Patrick, Royce Newman, and Dennis Kelly, they did their job. And simple as that, they did their job. And they should feel proud of themselves on how they blocked in both the pass and the run game. I mean, Aaron was sacked three times, but overall he had enough time in the pocket to pick apart Baltimore's secondary. And the running backs were given nice holes to run through. I mean, 
The play that stands out in my mind the most was A.J. Dillon's rushing touchdown. They showed it in slow motion a couple times. And on that play, John Runyon Jr. totally just moves the pile to the right. He got shouted out for that. And then Josh Nyman, who didn't get shouted out for it, did an amazing job at helping Runyon, stunting right, and then just barreling left and taking out two guys. And A.J. Dillon had a wide-open lane to the end zone. It was great to see, and they deserve credit. For all 96 rushing yards. I Definitely. Think. Maybe with the exception of Aaron's, what, he have 11 on his five scrambles. But yeah. for the most part, all the yards that ga- were gained by the running backs, the offensive line did their job and opened up holes to the yeah. best of their and ability. And I would say great game for Yash. Aaron was celebrating him with him at the end of the game. Like, they were pumped. I think he thought Yash played his best game of the year as well. He he he. I don't know. He was my star of the week for Yash, the offensive Yash line. Yash has been playing good football. I mean, He's done everything that he's needed to as a third-string left tackle. And, I mean, usually when a team has a third-string left tackle out there, their quarterback's getting sacked five, yeah. six, seven, eight times. And but instead no. he's getting Yash, lifted up by Josh Neiman. Yeah, Josh celebrating is holding TDs. things down. So, yeah, shout-out to Josh. And shout-out to John Runyon Jr. I mean, shout-out to John Runyon Jr. He had a little bit of a rough start to the season, but he started – Every single game at left guard for the Packers this year. In his second year, last year he was a rookie and it was the COVID year. So all the rookies from last year had a like altered preseason and introduction. So really this is a, his first go around in my eyes. And he's playing great. John Ryan Jr. is playing absolutely phenomenal. He's only given up two sacks on the season. And he's a competent run blocker if you look at the pro football focus. I mean, the entire Packers offensive line – doesn't have the best grades for run blocking on on that website, but John Runyon is competent, and he showed last night that he he opens up holes. That's what the man does, and it's no secret that the Weekly Cheese, we are John Runyon Jr. podcast. So shout out to John Runyon for getting some getting his name called out a couple times there yeah. by, by the Fox production crew, um, and perhaps the biggest and most positive takeaway from the Packers offensive performance on Sunday as we wrap up the offensive segment here uh, was they were much improved situationally. Uh, They've converted five of nine opportunities on third down and they scored on four of five trips to the red zone. Not to mention that. I mean, they were dominant on first down and they, they just were converting when they needed to convert. And seeing those numbers improve right now towards the end of the season is very encouraging. Uh, the Packers this year, they had, they've they seen a big dip in their numbers in, in red zone and third down conversion. That used to be their bread and butter. Last year, they had the most efficient red zone offense in league history. So to see the numbers go down this year was a little concerning, but they've spiked as of late, and I don't see them – going down anymore the Packers offense seems to be getting in a nice rhythm over the last four games and it's only the beginning there's a lot more ahead of them and once Bach gets back in there things should get even better so things are looking up for this Packers offense now the defense unfortunately is a little bit of a different story Um, they did not have the best day on Sunday and I mean For the most part, they really just allowed Tyler Huntley and the Ravens' offense to move up and down the field with ease whenever they wanted. Uh, They did not seem to have an answer for Mark Andrews, who ended the game with 136 yards and two touchdowns. 
and they struggled to contain Huntley in the pocket and stop the run throughout the entire second half. I mean, it was tough to watch. Fortunately, they came up with big stops when they needed to. That includes two fourth down stops, one coming on the goal line on the Ravens' first drive of the game, the other fourth and five late in the game, and a big-time pass breakup on the potential game-winning two-point conversion at the end of the game. But outside of that, there was not many positives from the Packers' defensive unit. They were without Kenny Clark, obviously, which is a huge loss. His presence on the field was missed direly. And with Kenny being out, the Packers, they had to rely on an even dose of Tyler Lancaster and TJ Slayton to try and fill that void. They played 25 snaps each, but unfortunately, they didn't really fill the void that is Kenny Clark. It ended up hurting the defensive performance on both the run stopping and in terms of the pass rush. Really, in general, the Packers' pass rush struggled all game long. Uh, they finished with one sack on the day. And outside of Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith, who had five pressures each from the edge, there was really no pass rush whatsoever. Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith did their best. They were getting to the quarterback, but unfortunately when they got there, they were unable to get their hands on him, and Huntley was able to escape the pocket and just gash right up the middle of the defense. And due to the lack of pressure, Huntley also had a very comfortable pocket to work with and was able to get the ball out and on target, specifically when Tipa and John Garvin are in the game, when, when Preston and Rashawn are on the sideline. Catching a breather. And Kenny's not in the game. There was absolutely no pass rush. They effectively whatsoever. secured Tyler Huntley his next contract. Yeah, Tyler Huntley <laughs> finished with a great game because of it. I they mean, also he also uh, the defense has Ravens fans saying that Mark Andrews is the best tight end in the league now. I'm like, come on, Mark Andrews is He's up good. there. He's up there. He's up for there. Sure, but and his game yesterday was impressive, but it was a lot to do with the lack of pass that's rush. That's what I'm I mean, saying. Huntley finished a day 28 for 40, 215 yards and two touchdowns. And he was able to find Mark Andrews literally whenever he wanted. Whenever he wanted. Particularly in the first half. It was kind of a tale of two halves with how the Packers were getting beat. In the first half, Huntley was playing from a clean pocket and getting the ball to Andrews at will. I mean, in the first half alone, Mark Andrews had six catches, 103 yards, and two touchdowns. And Darnell Savage was just getting beat the entire time by Mark Andrews. It was very hard to watch. He gave up five catches, 94 yards, and both touchdowns when guarding Mark Andrews. And it was just hard to watch. The Packers seemed to have no answer. Um, they couldn't get after Huntley, and he was just throwing the ball to Andrews whenever he wanted. It was demoralizing, really. It was tough to watch. Fortunately for the Packers, during that time, the offense was answering, and they are keeping them in the game. And then... To start the second half, it was 14-14. The Packers were able to go on that long drive, score a touchdown right out of halftime. The defense held the Ravens to a field goal. And then the, the, the Packers scored again. They were able to then get off the field on fourth and five in Ravens territory. And the Packers were able to kick a field goal. And they went up by 14 with just nine minutes remaining in the game. And unfortunately, that's when all the containment issues started happening for the Packers defense down 14 with nine minutes left Huntley led Baltimore down the field and scored two touchdowns 
um, a 75-yard drive and then like a 45-yard yeah. drive after a horrible a terrible punt. punt. Bohorquez. The first one wasn't much better either. It bounced out like the 45, and the first one landed at the 50. But those drives were agonizing to watch. They just chunked them to death. They took time off the clock. Oh, my God. Yeah, during those two drives, Huntley converted two third downs and a fourth down. And really, due to the lack of interior pressure that was get being applied by Lancaster and Slayton, I mean, they only had two combined pressures, those two guys. Huntley had just the biggest escape lanes right up the middle and just killed the Packers with his feet. I mean, he finished 13 carries, 76 yards, and two touchdowns. And really, like, it was devastating. I mean, finally, the pass rush was starting to get there. Rashawn and Preston were were beating their guys and, and wreaking havoc in the backfield. But Hundley, since there was no interior pressure, was just able to sneak right out the middle and pick up first downs with his legs every single time. Very reminiscent of the 2013 playoff game against Colin Kaepernick. It, it really, it was hard to watch. I, it went from hard to watch because they couldn't stop Andrews to hard to watch because Huntley was just running up the middle every single play. It, it was terrible. And although most of the damage on the ground did come from Huntley running the ball, Latavius Murray, during those final two drives, got going. And he was the beneficiary of Kenny Clark being out as well. Seven rushes, 48 yards. I mean, Jesus, nearly, what, seven yards per carry? Just ridiculous holes on the inside of the defensive line. and The Ravens were able to capitalize on it and really make it a game. The Packers eventually did get the stop on the two-point conversion at the end of the game. And they were able to sneak away with the victory, but not a good day from the defense. No. Whatsoever. Darnell needed to make that play. He had such a bad day. Yeah. Luckily, Darnell made that play, and Eric Stokes was in there on that right play. Right there. Stokes played phenomenal. You didn't hear anything from Stokes. No, and he let up a couple catches here and there, but nothing damaging. And, I mean, he let up seven catches, 35 yards. That's it. Uh, he was targeted nine times. He received a, an 89.6 coverage rating. So he he had a great game. He and just continues to progress. Continues to progress. And once Jair gets back in there, everything's just going to be so much easier. I mean, even at the end of the game there, the Kevin King was in there more than he was throughout the entire game when they started going to that dime package in hopes to stop Andrews on those final couple drives. And Kevin King was getting targeted every single time. Over Chandon Sullivan? Were they, are they displeased no, with his performance was actually, or was he injured? No, Henry Black. Chandon Sullivan was out there too. They brought Kevin King in there to play kind of like that dime linebacker. What? Yeah, yeah the, the, the role Henry Black would play in the dime package, they brought Kevin King in, kind of just throw a bigger body at Andrews. But Kevin King played horrible. No. It's really, really just – it sucks to see Kevin King out there, especially when he's getting beat. But I don't know if you noticed this or not, but Kevin King was extremely late running onto the field there at the end of the game. I saw that. Plays. That was him. I didn't know who that was. And then even on Huntley's, on Huntley's first rushing touchdown, on the first touchdown drive, the 75-yard drive, on that play the Packers only had 10 guys on the field. There was a there was only ten defenders on the field on that play. They highlighted and, that's why Huntley was able to escape to the left and there. I mean, part of me thinks it could have been Kevin King not on the field. It could have been. Part of me thinks that I don't know for a fact, obviously, but 
when Kevin King came on late for that play, I believe he was guarding Mark Andrews. I could be wrong, but whoever he was guarding had the potential to burn him because he was running on the field, and then uh, whoever he was covering was running a crossing route, basically going with Kevin King. If he would have just stopped and went the other way, Kevin King was so committed to going that direction that he could have just burnt him. But yeah, it was, it was hard to I was see. Like, what like, are you doing? How how can you be so late to get on the field? I don't know. It happens again. Obviously, only ten guys are on the field, so inexcusable mistakes by the Packers defense and not many shining spots. I mean, Rashawn Gary had a good game. Eric Stokes had a good game. Devondre played all right. But outside of those three guys, it was really a poor defensive performance. And, I mean, the Packers are lucky they left there with a victory. Um, The Ravens created 24 first downs on the day. They converted nine third downs. um, And they outgained the Packers. What, uh, 354 to 343. So, ultimately, the Ravens' offense had a better day than the Packers' offense simply because the, the defense could not stop them. Yeah, if the Packers' defense didn't step up on that last play, they they could have you know they could have lost that game from just error defensive errors. And it's really real. We're lucky that that two point conversion didn't get converted. I mean, very lucky. And unfortunately, this does seem kind of like a. a a downward trend for the Packers' defense. I mean, they've allowed 28 or more points in the last four games, which is concerning considering they only allowed 28 points one time throughout the first 10 games of the season. So over the last four games, I mean, the Packers' defense has been getting scored on a lot more. And hopefully moving forward, as Jair Alexander gets back in there, Obviously, there's hopes that Darius Smith comes back, and Kenny Clark should be back next week, thank goodness. They'll be able to get back on track and stop teams from putting up these big numbers on them Um, because it's never good when you're giving up over 28 points. No, and I think at this point the defense needs the injection because a lot of guys are playing you know, above their uh, expectation, I guess you could say, so they're probably gassed, and you can't expect them to do that every single week. So now you're about to get your pro bowlers back with these guys that are already going to be motivated from getting your pro bowlers back. So hopefully this is a bottoming bottoming out period for the defense. Yeah, and hopefully nothing but good things from here on out because a game like that on the defense side of the ball come playoff time, it's a oh, recipe for disaster. Recipe for disaster. And speaking of a recipe for disaster, come playoff time. Nothing new on this front, Joe. Nothing new at all, but the special teams. The special teams needs to clean it up. And I know we've been saying that for nearly the entire season now, but when is it going it's to It's almost getting worse. Uh, it's hard to say anything will be worse than last week's game against the Bears on the special teams, but Sunday was minimally better just by a, a fraction. I mean, the only thing that saved the day for the special teams on Sunday was the fact that A.J. Dillon fell on that onside kick. But up until that point, I had no confidence in the special teams whatsoever. It seemed like every single time they were on the field, a negative play occurred. Yes, and I don't know if A.J. and Devontae are regulars on the hands team, but that's the only reason. It was just I was going to get excited and say, wow, they recovered that cleanly. But then I saw Devontae, A.J., I think MVS was out there. It was like the whole offensive core they basically just on the hands team. So that doesn't solve anything, though, because you can't play them there every time unless you you do. Then you just have no defensive special teams, basically. Well, on, on onside kicks, I think Devontae needs to be out there. He so. might be. I, I just don't know. I mean, it, it just needs to clean up because it's getting 
very concerning. On special teams, there was plethora of errors on Sunday. There was the fair catch interference penalty by Yadam to start to start it off. And right when that happened, was, oh, here we go again with the special teams conundrums. Then they had a holding penalty, which negated the longest kickoff return of the year. Amari, Amari Rogers brought it back to the 45, only to have it brought back due to a hold. Not long after that, there was the botched kickoff return. I mean, it was basically you could tell Har Harbaugh was getting ready to do it all game long. He, he kicked it super short right at John Garvin. Yeah, and I don't know if he meant to do it, but oh, he had it rolling. It was like rolling like it. a knuckler. Oh, my they God. They meant to do it. That was their – they were going for it there. That was their turnover opportunity. They were trying to force one there, and they almost got almost. it. Almost. If Garvin didn't fall on that, it would have been devastating. And I think Harbaugh had some injuries on the special teams too. So if he had his full special teams unit, they probably would have done something crazy. Well, you know that Harbaugh, I mean, with his special teams background, he was going to look to try to make a play like that, and he almost got away with it. Oh, thank goodness he didn't. And then obviously they had the 40-yard punt <laughs> following the delay of game penalty right there at the end, setting up the Ravens with a very short field just to simply walk down the field and score <laughs> that second touchdown. But really, things need to get better. Mo Drayton must be on the hot seat after this season. The special teams is abysmal, and they need to get better in that phase of the of the team or else a loss to a good team is right around the corner. It's, uh, it's only a matter of time. You could only play that bad on special teams and have that many mistakes before it really bites you in the butt and hopefully this will be the last week we complain about the Packers horrible special teams hopefully it is hopefully and the fact that there are so many things to clean up after Sunday's victory should be looked at as a positive right now the Green Bay Packers have the best record in the NFL they're the number one seed in the NFC they're eyeing home field advantage in the first round bye. Their destiny is in their hands right now, and there are things to clean up, obvious things to clean up. So that means this team's not even playing at the level that they know they can play at. Once things get cleaned up and the Packers can put together a complete game on both sides of the ball, I truly believe that they are the best team in the National Football League and clear Super Bowl favorites when all things are clicking. And they're going to need to carry this momentum into next week, there's a big-time Christmas Day game coming up at Lambeau Field against the Cleveland Browns. The Browns, just like the Ravens this week, are fighting in that extremely close AFC North, but against AFC the in general. The Ravens and Browns and Cincinnati Bengals are all one game apart from one another. It's anyone's division as of right know, now. And the Browns already wanted to win that game, but with the Ravens lost, they want to win it even more. Yeah, and they, yeah, the Browns, they'll be at a little bit of a disadvantage. They they play Tuesday this week and then they got to turn right back around and play Saturday. So, and do they get the COVID players back or are they still COVID stricken on Saturday as well? I'm not entirely sure. We'll see, but I mean, a Tuesday game, then a Saturday game is That's tough. Tough. So the Packers should be major favorites going into that one. And I believe they'll take care of business. This offense is just starting to click. The defense knows it can play better than it did on Sunday against the Ravens. I mean, Kenny Clark being out for that game was a huge deal. And luckily he'll be back next week. But there's a lot to look forward to. 
the fun is just getting started for this Packers team, and they hold their destiny in their hands. The Packers run the north. I can't wait to get that T-shirt. I'm sure all of you out there are already ordering yours. And before we get out of here, I do just want to talk about a relic, a new relic here on the Weekly Cheese. Um, Mike from the Weekly Cheese, you all know him. He, he got me a present. Christmas since he's going to the Christmas game I won't be seeing him for the holidays so we exchanged gifts yesterday and what I have here is a jar of Packers pay dirt it is soil from Lambeau Field that was jarred up back in 98 when they were redoing the field Uh, Todd Edelbeck the field supervisor there at Lambeau Field wrote this nice thing on the package and he scooped the soil into these jars and I have Lambeau Field soil here now on my desk, and that is this week's Relic of the Week, a very cool item. Give it a shake. Let the people hear the shake. Yeah, there it is. That's the soil you hear. So very cool item. Thank you to Mike for that. And, hey, it is the holiday time, so hopefully you all listening will be getting a restock of Packer gear and memorabilia for the holidays. I know that's what I'm looking forward to. And, yeah. We'll talk to you all a little bit later on in the week when we preview the Packers and Browns. Chris and I also do have cheese on everything. It's in the works. Don't you worry. Just keep an eye out for the cheese on everything as well. Chris, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Hopefully we get a snowy Packers game on Saturday for Christmas. And Fortunately, I believe it's going to be 36 degrees right oh, now. That's what it's just saying. cold, no snow? No snow, unfortunately. Oh, as of right now... Things could change in a matter of seconds in terms of weather. Hopefully. I don't think it was even supposed to snow, really, when we woke up to go to the game, but then it did. Yeah, we did see a nice little coating of snow there, so hopefully the same goes for them on Christmas Day, but either way, it's going to be a dominant performance over the Browns on Saturday. I'm pumped for it. Um, But, yeah, until next time, as always, remember, the cheese stands alone. And go pack go everyone 11 and 3 NFC North champs Come on pack green and gold time